Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show with today's guest, Krista Van Rance of Building People. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is the podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. In this episode, Krista explains what goes into putting together a learning and development program, what kind of grants your company can access, and what to do if you just want to dip your toe in the employee development water. This show will have an accompanying, an accompanying article, it's a mouthful, over at massconstruction.org if you're looking to take the next step and go on and get started. Enjoy the show. Hey, Krista, welcome to the Mass Construction Show. Thank you, Joe. Nice to see you. Yes, glad to have you back, right? So this is <laughs> the second round time. two. Round two. Um, and people might be wondering, you know, uh, are we going to cover a different topic or go a little more narrow for people that listened before? You know, you're a learning and development specialist. You were working at Delbrook JKS slash still kind of are. But um, what's changed since the last time you sat down? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, in my kind of over 10 years of experience with learning and development and in the construction industry, out of the construction industry, I've just, I think over the last couple months have realized that I, I have a passion for helping with the smaller businesses. And so Delbrook was, I think it is, is in a really good place with learning and development. And now they're able to kind of continue to grow. And I wanted to take the opportunity that um, timing wise became available to start up my own learning and development and help small and medium-sized businesses grow their own learning and development programs and kind of see all of the value that can be provided without having to have a full-time person on staff. Mm. And frankly, though, it's like you say in small, you say small to medium because they're the people that naturally won't have a full-time person in-house trying to manage that process. But oddly enough, there are, you know, there are some legitimately large companies that don't have it either. True, true, right? very true. I know I work with some of them. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you can't work with large companies. It just seems the more natural fit would be smaller companies. And now I've got a bunch of things to say about this. But so now selfishly, I'm a little excited. Um, you know, I had you on the first time because I really liked what Delbrook and yourself, you were doing at Delbrook on the learning and development front, like the SIP program, um, you know, a lot of the, you know, um, what everyone likes to call soft skills, but leadership management, um, people. The new term is power skills, Joe. I know you were asking me about that a while ago. Power skills is the new term. Uh, I don't know if I can get on board with power skills. <laughs> I don't know if I can either. I can't do it. You know what else? I like, I'll make enemies here, but I can't do the built environment either. Like, no, no. Everybody likes to say uh, the, the built environment. I'm like, I can't get on board with the built environment. <laughs> Sorry. It's a building. It's yep. construction. It's design. It's a building. Um, but no built environment for Joe. Um, but I forget how we got onto that. But so, I re yeah, I really liked what you were doing at Delbert JKS. Um, I think some of the things that they did even beyond you from a development of employees has been excellent. And then I was excited when you decided to leave because I looked at it as, okay, this is a great opportunity for me to work with someone that also has a small business that is a natural fit for a lot of what I do. Um, you know, the 
education that I do, which tends to be along the lines of more technical, whether it's mechanical, electrical, code related, safety, things like that. Um, and, you know, we were now it's working out great that you've been kind of an adjunct by adding in a lot of that training for me. So now we're developing more um, people skills type training, you know, management, uh, professional development. Uh, I, I really selfishly like just from an interest point, like the, whether it's a DISC or um, Myers-Briggs or predictive index kind of yep. training that you do. Mm -hmm. We've been doing quite a bit of uh, difficult conversations training. There lately. have been a lot of those lately, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been a, um, a nice fit. And then also with everything that's going on, it's kind of pushed I know me to go more remote with learning and I know you've started to go that route. You were probably a little more comfortable with it than I was to begin with, but you know, I've seen relatively early on in your company. Now you're having to kind of adapt early. And I think that's right. You know, that's exciting too. You do the education also that I look at it as if I have clients that are smaller, really like what I have to offer from the construction education standpoint and their CSL continuing ed standpoint but then, um, you know, they might not have the person. Because I, I do see a lot of companies and bigger companies that some of them have even said to me in the past that they said, listen, we've been trying to get a formal education program in place for a long time now, but it's always getting caught up. It's put with someone that's senior and, you know, not dedicated to it and never gets off the ground. What are some of the reasons? Like, that's something that I see, but... What are some of the other reasons that people kind of or companies struggle with learning learning and development? Yeah, well, I think it's always like going back to that comment that you just had. I will say that oftentimes when I hear people want learning and development, I think sometimes companies and organizations want it because in some ways it's a little trendy right now. And they kind of hear like, oh, like our people want it. We have to stay competitive. We have to stay relevant. Um, those are great, but then there's also like, okay, let's actually kind of lift up the rug a little bit and understand what the real needs are so that you can understand how you can improve those. And, and then kind of going to your point, and I'll, I'll touch on some of those pieces a little bit more, hmm. but kind of going to your point of what some of the struggles are, like, I love that they kind of put a senior person there, but that senior person has a lot of different responsibilities. And so often, learning and development is going to become kind of a hobby where when they've got a little extra time, they're going to be all in and they're going to schedule something. And then it might fall off the radar because 10 other things come across their plate. Hmm. Whereas if you have somebody that's a little bit more focused on that, they're able to kind of push it and kind of keep that focus and that, that discipline towards hmm. the greater movement. Um, I think kind of going back originally, my, Small and medium-sized businesses have, I don't, I don't know if it's a struggle, if it's a new struggle or an old struggle, but, but finding top talent is really difficult because larger companies are going to go for the, that top talent too. And, and these large companies have all these benefits and free lunches and gyms and all of these other things that they can like throw at a, a candidate to entice them, whereas smaller and medium-sized businesses don't have that. And so being able to say, hey, you know, we've, we've 
we've got this small, great, like close knit culture and this family that you're not just one of 3000. You are a really meaningful person and like a part of the, the organization. Hmm. That's pretty cool. And I think a lot of people want that. They want that community feel, especially now that things are virtual, they don't want to just be a random number. And so hmm. to kind of be able to convince that top talent, you need to have some formal way of, of ensuring that they can grow in the organization and that they're getting the training that they want and need. And then that's also decreasing your turnover costs, because I'm sure that that's something that these small and medium sized businesses are continuing to deal with that, like people are leaving and then they have to replace that person. They might not have a, a full time recruiter on staff, so they're paying the recruiting fees. It's, mm. it's expensive. And, and I find that and this was my experience at the AGC, one of the committees that I was the staff person on was um, what they call the you know, the essentially the young contractors is what they called it. But it was um, it was like the some places will call it emerging leaders or whatever the right term is, but young professionals that were hoping to grow within their industry and what you it kind of self-selected for the top people in each firms, because if you think about it, people work 10, 12 hours a day, whatever on a on their whether it's a site or in the office on a construction project and who's the person at four o'clock or five o'clock then goes and says, Hey, let's sit on a committee and see what we can do more with construction and how we can learn more or volunteer. Right. Right. The best of the best were, were the ones that were going there. They didn't want to go home and relax and do whatever they wanted to do more. And they wanted to learn more and they wanted to get better. I kind of noticed that the top talent, tended to be the one that would either move for opportunity because mm -hmm. you know whether to because they wanted to grow or yeah. or be frustrated with their company's inability to allow them to grow through training or opportunities i think not only do you run the risk kind of across the board but i think you run the risk with your best people you know losing your best people because uh, at least the experience that I had is the best people want to grow, want to learn new things. And if you are not giving them opportunities to learn about, well, what does business development look like? What does pre-construction look like? Because um, some of it's a matter of, at least I think, letting people get out of their little silos or bubbles within a company. Right. Right. right? Well, and so, yeah, training isn't just about the classes. That's the thing. And that's a perfect example. Like. You know, if you can, if you have somebody who's willing to say, hey, we just want to make sure that our people are growing and we want to offer them kind of what I'll call stretch opportunities, that it's like a little bit out of their comfort zone because nobody, nobody wants to be uncomfortable. We would permit something different if that were the case. Um, but allowing them those opportunities to do something a little more difficult than they've done before or to be on a different in a different sector that maybe they're new at. Mm. those opportunities you have to be you really have to be a little bit more uh i can't think of the word but like you, you just have to think about and plan for those opportunities more than you may just to say oh like th this project's over and we're going to put them on the next project that's available yeah um, that's the very reflexive way that things are done right and that's why i think you were lucky working with mike because I remember distinctly one thing that really stuck out when I was asking him about growth because Delbrook experienced 
a lot of growth pretty quickly. And I was trying to get to what was that about? Was it just that, okay, well, it's a matter of capitalizing on the current opportunities? Is it when you meet with senior leadership, you decide like, okay, we want to grow 10% this year. And I didn't think that was how he would look at it. Nope. And his answer was that, you know, we need to grow to give our people opportunities. He goes, because if they don't have, you know, he goes, if we have all, you know, PMs and we have six senior PMs and we have work that only can handle six senior PMs, then those PMs are never going to get a chance to move up until someone retires. Right. But we have to grow to give people new opportunities to allow them to grow. And, you know, it was a great way to think, you know, beyond the moment of, okay, this person, this cog does this role, I'll put them there. And then when that one's done, it's moving over. Well, you're not, you're not thinking about how that person, it's not a cog, it's a person. And how can, how can they grow? And what can you do to ensure that they're, they're growing, right? Um, right, exactly. And uh, then, and then that goes to the same piece though. Like if you are going to make sure you're growing people internally, you need to provide them some of the tools to make sure that they're successful because maybe they were a project manager who had a senior PM on with them that wasn't so great. Um, that maybe wasn't as great of a manager, technically, like technology wise, whatever the case may be, if they're only learning from the person that is managing them and they're learning the wrong things to do, maybe they know now what not to do, Yeah. but without kind of formal training or additional research on their end and discipline to find out new different ways they're never going to figure out what to do so that's another area like management and as you said with the agc that young contractors like any sort of management skills is as you're growing within it's important to be able to at least be given opportunities to see and experience different things both formally and informally everybody that's listening to this probably agrees with <laughs> what both of us are saying, I would, yep. I would hope. Um, and maybe they are part of the decision-making team or they do run the company and they're saying, that's all great. I want to do all that. Like, but it's expensive. <laughs> that it's expensive. How do I do it? And I think it goes back to my original question. I think it's, maybe it's obvious, but why do they struggle with that? Yeah. I think it like, you know, when you think about it, you're like, oh my God, where do we even start? And you know, that's where I kind of like utilize the saying of like, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Just like one step at a time or one mm. bite at a time. And other people would be like, yeah, but you know, the liver might go bad first. So we have to do that one. And like, then they're going to overthink it. And so yeah. um, I think that's an area that people start uh, struggle with. Like, where do I even begin? Mm. Um, I think people struggle by a random person raises their hand and says, hey, like my friend went to this training I want to go there and so they send people to one-off trainings and then they attend an event nobody else understands what they learned there's no follow-up afterwards so they just went to like who knows a five thousand dollar event sat mm. in on it for a few days so you also paid their salary and then nothing changed because there wasn't it wasn't a part of the company overall so they were like what the, what was the point of that? I just spent all this money and there was, I saw no change in that person. There was no return on my investment, no mm -hmm. value. It is a cost. Um, trying to make sure that you can try and think about it as a cost savings if it's done well versus a spend, because it is 
it is a spend, but if you can think, you can focus on, you know, looking at maybe, maybe you do look at your PL and you say, okay, overall, this is an expense that has continually gone up the last few years. Or this is an expense that like, why in the world are we spending this? We know we could do this for less. Then focus on that one area and put a program together to try and decrease that number. And that could even be something that is that you're farming out to a third party, right? A particular task that has been going to a third party and you're like, okay, this is just creeping and creeping and creeping, you know, and maybe the assessment is, all right, maybe let's look at a different vendor to see if we can bring down costs, but maybe it's, how do we bring that in house? Like MEP scheduling, like certain estimating, depending on the size of the business. Like if you're, like you said, if you're, if you're paying for that externally, can you start, is there somebody in house that maybe you want to, that's an, a growth opportunity. Hey, this person, you know, has been in the same role. They're really not going to be promoted to this next level, but they're really good. We want to keep them. Maybe that's an opportunity to kind of upskill them in another area, get them some of the technology, some of the training. Yeah, well, that's right where I went, like uh, in my head, which is, you know, is it scheduling software? Is it BIM software that they learned that you were farming out and now it can be brought in-house, you know? Right. Um, and maybe it doesn't all have to be brought in, in house, maybe like the still baseline giant schedule, you go to somebody, but then the weekly updates is something you pull inside, you know, bad right. example. I don't think anybody's really doing that, but, um, it uh, just goes to like looking under the rug again. Like you have to, you have to look for the information, the information's there, but a lot of people aren't taking the time. They just think like, oh, we need, you know, everybody's telling us we need a manager development program. So that's what we're going to roll out. Like, well. What's telling you that? What is your current turnover rate? Do you want that to decrease? What are you like, you know, are you having to constantly hire new people at that management level and you're not able to grow the people within? Like, what are those? So, so that kind of goes to the data. And that's where I like to kind of ask those questions and maybe get people uncomfortable because I'm, I'm asking, but it's not because I'm asking to, to point blame. It's mm -hmm. asking to, to improve. Okay. Like let's find an area that we can show value in learning and development. The last thing I would want to do for a company is just to roll out learning and development so that you can say you have it. So what else do you look at? Uh, you're saying under the rug, I'm going to say under the hood. When you look <laughs> under the hood, what are some costs you want to reduce and how can we reduce them through education? What are some of the other things that you would kind of look for? So maybe you have, so let's Thinking. think about Construction in particular, mm -hmm. closeout is everybody's favorite topic mm -hmm. um, and always tends to be painful. You know, that last 20% takes 80% of the effort. You know, maybe you're finding that your the time that it takes to get off a job site has increased over the last year. Once again, that's information that you have to try and go back and look at, mm. or you're finding that there are certain certain subcontractors that maybe like we don't have enough information on. And so because maybe we're not as well versed in those, those trades where there are more mistakes happening and more fixes that end up having to be, you know, our own cost. Hmm. So looking at some of that information to say, you know, this was a major loss. This was an expense that we ended up having to take on our own that we're seeing, we've seen on two to three projects now. And, and okay, let's take a look at that and see what were the issues? Why was that happening? And mm -hmm. trying to kind of 
analyze that a little bit and then, okay, what can we do to make sure as a company that that doesn't happen again? Because one-off mistakes are going to happen. This industry is not cookie cutter, Mm -hmm. but there are trends that you can find if you look to say, okay, this is, this has happened on a couple job sites. Let's make sure it doesn't happen in the future Mm -hmm. um, by providing some sort of program. And whether that's updating a policy or a practice, creating an in-person program, creating a video, whatever the case may be, it's helpful to know. I think so often in learning and development too, it's like, let's just throw a training at it or let's just like update an SOP and now require people to do that. Like there are other options. Hmm. Um, But I think the important thing is like, if it is something that's important enough as an organization, that everybody needs to speak the same language. So don't just roll it out to one or two people with that had that that situation happen. Make sure everybody understands how it can be improved. It's a good example. So there's looking under the hood and looking at those costs that seem high or repetitive mistakes. What else from big picture you threw out there? Um, you know, management training program. Would you look to see? okay, do they have any management training programs? Would you look to see if like they have standards per job title? Like we want to make sure that if someone is going to be promoted from an assistant super to a super or field engineer to super, we want to see that they at least have their CSL license. We want everyone a baseline OSHA 10, but by the time you're this, we want an OSHA 30. Um, you know, we want you to have XYZ training. Do you? So what are some of the other big picture things that you would look at or say to companies that are considering, you know, trying to address learning and development? Yeah. So I think in that particular situation, I love the opportunity to level the playing field. That like if someone's getting promoted from an assistant super to a super, just because they're the only assistant super that has their CSL, are they really the best person? Are we promoting them because they're the only one that has the license? Let's just make sure that it's known to all assistant supers, hey, if you wanna get promoted, you have to have X, Y, and Z, then you're going to find the people, one, who are going to do it more quickly, they're gonna show that motivation, that discipline, Hmm. Um, and two, they they know the requirements. So leveling that playing field is always great, and then it provides you with more of an opportunity to, to look at everybody versus maybe a smaller group to see who really should be promoted based on any sort of measurements or kind of review process that you might have. Um, I do think it's, I tend to look at, at learning as a cost savings. I, the hope would be that it also decreases turnover, which is also a cost savings, especially as you said at the beginning, some of like that top talent that you really want to keep trying to decrease that turnover. Yeah. Um, I think, I think one great piece is like, the connections that you're able to meet to make, um, you're able when you're when you're in a training together, you're all in this uncomfortable situation, and so you're able to grow together and and potentially watch one another's transformation and cheer them on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's always kind of the side effect of learning and development that we don't think about, but it is an awesome opportunity to to grow internal relationships and team building for sure. Yeah. Um, I think like from a transformation perspective, you sat in on a communications course that that we had had so that you could kind of see the vendor in action. 
and you you sat in on a for one day and it was a two-day program and even in the one day from the beginning of that day to the end of the day you saw transformation in a few of the people that you were like i never would have put that person in front of an owner and by the end of the day you thought that they had probably had far more years of experience than maybe they actually did based on their communication skills. Like that's pretty cool. And that's pretty cool to watch and grow with your team and see other people actually actually see change, visible change from a training program. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and those it, it's funny because there's the tangible stuff that you can measure and there's metrics that we can look at and costs that we can try and reduce and um, policies that can be put in place, but then there is those byproducts, right? Whether it's team building or, um, you know, loyalty to the company or, you know, an emotional attachment, all those kind of things that are a little more difficult to quantify. Yeah. Um, to stay a little bit more with the struggle and then we'll move beyond and say, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, the struggles, but here's what we can do, right? Okay. Um, you alluded to cost, but also I think like what I have noticed is um, not only is it that a senior person is put in charge of it, but they have too many things to do, right? That they're not yeah. a they're not focused on it. That's not their goal, right? Um, but they want to be part of it because they think it's important. Mm -hmm. And I've come across a lot of those people. This is really important, you know, but they just physically don't have the time, right? right. But they're like, oh, I still want to be part of this because it's really important. And then they put somebody, a, a lower level person on it. And, and that's fine. And that's a good decision a lot of times, but then they still want to be the check to decide what gets the okay or not the okay. And then I've seen at a number of different places where they're like, okay, they, they want to do X, Y, and Z, we like put it together. And then, well, I can't get them to get an answer on this, right? Okay, well, it's been three months. You know what I mean? And then yeah. things get bogged down in that. So I think that's kind of a struggle. Or to be frank, I've seen people's moods just yeah. be like, you know, you go to them on one day and they're like, oh yeah, this is important. They want to go. And then they're having a bad day and they're like, oh no, we don't want to spend that money. Yeah. Well, so like without a plan and a commitment and an, a, a willingness to say, we're going to spend X, Sally or Joe, you are going to be in charge of this. You can spend this money and this is what we want. And let's talk about it and measure it and make sure we're right. measuring goals. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But it's hard. Yeah. Like, why would you want to, why would you want to say like, all right, you can spend X. Like, what are you spending it on? Like, if you're just going to give me 25 grand, I may spend that haphazardly. Whereas mm -hmm. like I, you first have to have those conversations of what do we really, what do we need to focus on? And or and so like you you need to ask the executives like as a company where where do we want to grow or what can we improve on what where how can we be more efficient or productive, and then the to your employees like okay guys like if we're going to commit to this we want to make sure that you're on board what do you want, and that does take a little bit of time, I tend to think of, like I don't know that I have the most of this but so like with learning and development there you have to be patient yet persistent, mm -hmm. and. I've only become patient because I married my husband. <laughs> um, but I think that's helped me in my career because you're going to get like people will constantly be pushing back or maybe the timing won't be right or they have other things going on. 
but making sure that those things don't get lost. And I think that's the struggle, as you're saying, is like they maybe are too patient, not persistent enough because there's so many other things going on. So having somebody either on the outside or, you know, on the inside, but at a, a at a smaller rate, not full time, is able to kind of help push those initiatives. If it has to be slow with the company, then it has to be slow. If the company wants it faster, then it can be. Hmm. But you need to actually ask the questions before just like, I would hate to have companies spent, especially right now, just spend money and not be able to show any anything for it. Yeah. And, and you're a thousand percent right on like, not just committing 25 grand or whatever to training. What I was saying is that I was seeing in someone that had the, or I've seen multiple companies who set no amount and then right. it's just kind of like, okay, do we want to spend this or not spend this? Well, like it's, it's a backwards way to work, right? You know what I mean? Yes. You want to check and say, okay, what are we working to have a plan, have a set budget, you know, but yeah. when, when you're just completely winging it, winging it and it can go to the person's you know, mood of the day or, you know, like, oh, we don't want to do that because we just had this problem on this job. And now we want to go try and solve that problem because that's our issue right now. Right. Become so haphazard that it doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, um, th there's so much room to run and with a good plan, you really can solve it. So, you know, those internal management things, I think, are part of the problem. Um, you've mentioned cost. Cost is part of the problem sometimes. You know, um, you talk a lot about it being um, a cost savings. I think we'll get there. But uh, I think a big piece of what you offer, and I was kind of excited about that, is um, the ability to help companies apply for grants. Okay, because there's a lot yeah. of money and I look at it as I have companies that I work for and they're committing a lot of dollars to training and that's fantastic. And they're great and they're comfortable with it and they're happy spending that money. But I look at it as like, okay, well, why don't you apply for the grant too? Right. And even if now that half your cost goes down, awesome, that's money back in your bottom line. Or it means that instead of spending 50, you can spend 75 because you right. got 25,000 from somebody else. But a lot of people just don't know these grants are out there. So I would say two things. What what grants are out there? Because people could apply from them on their own. Um, but also, and then how can you help them as well? Because yeah. a lot of times, if they can't even commit a person to, you know, manage learning and development, they're not going to commit a person to try and write a grant, which can be arduous. But, right. yeah. so, you know, what's out there and what's your business model as far as attacking it? Yeah, so for Massachusetts in particular, because this is Mass Construction Show, yeah. um, there are kind of three main grants that I always recommend, and in particular for the construction industry. Uh, there's the Workforce Training Fund, which you can at request up to $250,000 over a two-year time frame. So it's not a small chunk of change. It's definitely a, a huge value add. Uh, there is the Express Grant, which really goes to, it's usually for, for companies under 100, 000, uh, 100. Mm -hmm. uh, and that one you can request up to like 3,000 per employee. Um, 
that one is a smaller, like you can't have up to 250,000. I'm not remembering the number right now. I think it's something like 50,000 that you can ask for, but still a, a decent chunk of change. Uh, and then there's the DIA's safety training grant, and that's up to 25,000. They offer that on an annual basis. Um, all of those are, you know, that's that's some great extra money to have to really be able to roll out or or enhance a training program with some extra funds to do it. Two of those grants are are um, from unemployment dollars, so more than likely most of the companies that are going to be listening in today are already paying into unemployment, mm-hmm. and their hope is that you know if you offer these programs, then you won't have to lay people off or you'll become more productive, more efficient. So you'll continue hiring people. That's their mm-hmm. hope. And then the safety one obviously is to hopefully decrease any injuries that are happening on site so that, you know, nobody's hurt and they don't, they're not having to pay for any sort of disability um, that may happen. So there's these grants are in place in, with a purpose. Obviously they want to see, that connection in some way that what you are doing will will um, benefit their their goal their mission their purpose um, but they provide so so many opportunities for organizations to utilize and so many people don't know that they exist or they know that they exist and maybe have done them in the past and they were burned and so what some com- um, some organizations are out there that they say like listen we'll write the grant for you for free as long as you use our services. And so that might be great if you know that the vendor is really good and you know that those are the services that you need. If there are any other services that you need or if you've never used the vendor before, you're not always like, you're you're kind of taking quite the risk at being like, hey, I just got $100,000 from a training grant. I'm gonna put my people through 80 hours of training. The training stinks. And now you have, you're like, well, we've got the money. We have to put people through it. And your people hate going. What value have you just added? Like they're not, they're barely paying attention. They feel like prisoners in a room Mm -hmm. and they're not going to take any of that information and utilize it. So, so my approach has been like, listen, I will find you like, first, I'm going to figure out what your real business needs are, because I'm going to ask a lot of questions and whatever under the hood or whatever the saying is. And um, you can go under the rug. That's fine, Crystal. You can look under their rug. Yeah, um, and and then from there, I'm going to research different vendors. Maybe I'll go and sit in on a, a class that is with a new vendor that I've never seen. But having seen many vendors, I at least have different networks that I can utilize to say, hey, this vendor, you know, this this client is looking for this type of training. Have you ever used anyone? And then I can go sit in and and understand how they might be able to customize the training for that company. And so you're gonna get a kind of more well-balanced overall business goals type of program. Um, I I more than likely won't be the vendor that would do any of the training. I'll find all the different vendors for you um, and I'll, I would ask for a, a fee if, you know, if, if you were awarded that grant, I ask for 5% of whatever you were awarded. If you're not awarded, I'm out of luck, you know, um, yeah. that's how it goes. You weren't then, then no, no harm, no foul. So it's mm. kind of a win-win for organizations that like, I will, I will basically put a program together 
So if they don't get awarded the grant, they still have a comprehensive program that they can choose to roll out in a two-year time frame or extend it to a five-year time frame. If they do, then they got you know, $100,000 for a lot less than that. They have to just pay my, my 5% fee. Um, and they also, they still have this comprehensive program to be able to roll out to their employees. Yeah, it's real, right? They're like, I know at least of two companies that got over six figures in dollars for training. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if you got any at Delbrook because I wasn't thinking of you guys, you know, but it's real dollar values and it's not like it's a super stretch to get. Yes, yeah. you need to. They want companies, they, they want companies to get them. They just yeah. want to make sure that they're not just going to haphazardly spend the money and not, and not measure anything. So they really want to see the data of where are you currently at and where do you want to get to yeah. by, and it's a, by it's utilizing a, this. It's a government program, so it has to be written the right way. But mm-hmm. if written the right way, you know, there's a good chance you get dollars and you get real dollars. Yeah. Um, and I like your business model a, a lot more. Um, I, I think locking into a, one particular vendor is 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 not good. You know, um, it's. I'm obviously biased, but I. Agree. Yeah, yeah, and me too, right? But like, I also think the relationship you end up with is better, right? Yeah. Um, because you're putting them to you're a resource and you're helping them and people are willing to pay for that, you know, and they're willing to actually pay a premium for that. You know, I I don't feel like you charge a premium, but like to to get good analysis of your business and what your training should be, never mind a lot of hours putting a grant together and then assistance to find the right people to do the training. Like a lot of times that's where people are happy with me because not only you know do i do education that they like but when they need something else i can point them in the right direction you know yeah. what i mean and i don't want to cut and i don't want to but like they're you, you're meeting their needs and you want to do that as someone that as actually someone cares not just to get an extra couple bucks yeah you know and i think it's like to help your client that just creates a good relationship uh, down the road. So I, I think it's not just for me to say that it's that I like your business model. I think, I think it's a smart business model because you're bringing value and you're having a, a satisfied uh, client in a good relationship and you're, you're both helping each other. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot more than locking someone in like that just feels here's a right. nice word, right? That feels yucky to me. Like, you know what I mean? We'll do this, but yeah. we'll use us for everything. Like, yeah. Okay. So even if that's not the best for my company, you still want me to use you because you wrote the grant. Like, right. But they'll uh, be like, well, it's free money. So I, I I was at a company where we did that, where we used one of those grant writers. And I sat in on one of those programs and I looked around the room and saw that people didn't really like it followed up with them afterwards and they were like, well, we have to sit in on this program. Like the, the, we were told that we had to be here. Mm. I'm like, Oh God, like one, I don't want to be the hated person in an organization. Um, but two, like what a waste of money. How is that valuable? Yeah. 
And then you talk about like, or we talked about, and you mentioned like the positive byproducts that comes through a good learning and development program. Yeah. There is the negative byproducts that come through a bad learning and development program. Correct. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's it even, hard to measure. It's not like it's not a science experiment. There's no independent. I can't say, oh, because this training happened, people like turnover automatically decreased by 20%. I can't 100% with 100% certainty say that. Yep. But if you at least start measuring it, have the training, and then continually measure it, how has it changed? There, that might be one of the pieces in it. It's but then there are all these other kind of pieces that go into it that, that may have changed those numbers. But that's un the unfortunate part of learning and development. It's not black and white. Yeah. So you could get those data points about yearly turnover, but then economy could be playing a factor in there. So you do have to figure that out. I think I mean, that talking about quickly, just talking about the economy, I think you'll find that people are going to, well, one, maybe they were laid off, so they didn't have the opportunity to stay. But I think you're going to find that turnover is going to decrease a little bit right now because obviously, like, there's not a ton of places for people to go. Mm. But they're watching how companies have interacted with all of this. Some of your past podcasts have shown that. And they're, they've got one foot out the door that as soon as the economy starts going again, this is your opportunity to show that you care by additional communications, being understanding offering maybe like putting together learning and development so that when if and when the economy goes back up you don't have a mass exodus of people that are like mm. yeah that was like what a year that was um that just barely got through it now it's funny that you say that because i was doing an ask me anything and i had it scheduled for linkedin live and then <laughs> yes i remember <laughs> it blew up from a tech standpoint because linkedin they're third-party vendors for streaming just doesn't work. But part of that, when I was doing the Ask Me Anything, I had put out on Instagram, you know, basically said something along the lines, like, how is your company doing with communication during this time? And it was very interesting, you know, to see the people that were like, oh, yeah, our company is, like, killing it. We do this and do that. And, like, their excitement level about the communication change in a company and then the people that were like no we're not doing anything in, in fact it's actually kind of disappointing right right and there's anxiety levels of like am i next am i not being called because they're waiting to lay me off you know yeah where, where is the company at how are we doing financially yeah so i know like you said you know and there's uh some videos that mike has been putting out like delbert did sounds like they did a really good job at it like uh, Gaston Electrical did an excellent job of it. It seemed like up front, Cox, both people that I had on to talk about those things, you know, yeah. they just really just hit it out of the park when it came to communication and they are seeing people that now want to go work for them because of it. Mm -hmm. right? So, um, yeah, that's, there's all these positive byproducts and you're right. Like now's a time where people are going to pay a lot more attention to how they're treated and right. what the environment is like. Um, but then I would even say there's other byproducts to kind of just completely turn and go back to the other thing. You know, you had talked about, you know, maybe you can't quantify everything because there's these other factors, right? And sometimes 
it is, you know, because you can't prove what didn't happen. Right. right? Yep. If I'm a great building inspector and no porches collapse and nobody gets water damage and mold in their house, right? No one ever knows I was a good building inspector. Right. right? Just because there was no problems and they say, oh, everyone built everything right. But like, so you can't prove the negative if that's, if I'm saying that right. Um, but it can be risk management as well. Like if you look at, especially on like the safety training, right? Or mm -hmm. like QAQC, like mm -hmm. things that you can eliminate through training. If there are simple right. things like most people don't have the appropriate training for use of mobile lifts. Right. Like it's some little car that's handed, but you really, sh it's like a six or eight hour training that you're supposed to have for you to be operating a boom lift or a scissor lift. Right. The vast majority of people do not have that training and they get on a lift, right? And so, there are so many, so many deaths and injuries that happen in that regard, just right there every year. Yeah. So if you can look at it, can I take those dollars, 25 grand from a safety grant and let's make sure that people just have the right training or right. maybe it's more fire safety training and. And the safety grant is a perfect example. Like you don't have to have had an injury to be able to ask for that money. You're saying like, as a company, we care that people, both our employees and our subcontractors go home safe every night. So we're trying to be proactive because we know that there are trends in the industry that this is what's trending in the wrong direction. So we mm -hmm. want to get ahead of it. That's okay too. As long as you have some, you're not just like throwing a dart at the wall and deciding that that's the training you're going to do, that you've put a little bit of thought and effort into it. That's what they want to see. Mm. All right. This has been great. Um, I think I don't. Is is there anything else that um, you want to talk about as far as what you're doing new? I don't. Not what I'm doing new. I do want to offer, like, if anybody is thinking about doing learning and development, but just as like, okay, like, Krista, we we can't do you. We can't do all this stuff, but we want to do something small. Um, you know, a few baby steps with whatever tips that we mm -hmm. wanted to provide. Um, you know, I do think onboarding is always one to look at. It won't, it doesn't take too long. Um, and you can really make a difference in a person's first day, even if that has to be virtual, even if their first day is going to be virtual, you can make their first, I, I think I said it in our last podcast that I tend to, you don't automatically, there's no scale of like, you don't automatically start off the happiest that you'll ever be in the company and you don't mm -hmm. automatically start off the most frustrated you you tend to start off somewhere in the middle in this unknown and as a company you have an opportunity to make it a great day or you have an opportunity to make it a mess and mm -hmm. like a lot of confusion and people being like what was i think like why in the world did i come here what was i thinking taking this job mm -hmm. and so it's 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 a lot of small little things like making sure that they're meeting with their manager making sure that they've got, you know, a desk set up and maybe a couple of, you know, kind of like a, a few pieces of swag, even if it's a little pen, um, you know, just the smallest things in there and making them feel really welcome and that you're excited that they're there. Um, you know, connecting them with different people in the organization, going out and seeing a job site. There's so many little things that you can do to really improve your onboarding. So. If I were to say, you know, one baby step would definitely be improving there. Hmm. Another baby step would maybe be like 
okay, you know, we're thinking twice a year, we want to offer something. Then look at, once again, just find one business area that you could improve and just focus on that one thing. Because I think if you can, if you can really, really narrow your focus, that'll help that kind of senior person to be able to push out something because it's just one thing that they have to focus on and make sure that that's really great. And then you can focus on the next thing after that. To recap, just kind of the whole shoot and match. Um, so you're saying a great first baby step is onboarding. And that can be as simple as make sure they have business cards. Who do you talk to if your laptop's not working right? Who who from HR do you talk to for payroll or whatever? Yeah. Here's a, you know, here's how things are. Here's a phone list. If you right. Reach, you know, some very basics. If it's a, some swag, that's great. You know, look at learning and development as a way to analyze your business needs, mm -hmm. both for to improve things, reduce costs, and your ability to write a grant. Um, use it as an opportunity to um, help people grow. Yep. Both in a position and profession professionally, and maybe even personally, right? Because if the person's growing, they're going to be happy. Use it as a way to reduce turnover. And also attract new people because they want to come to a place where they'll learn. Um, and also consider it as an opportunity to help people understand internally what else happens in the company. It shouldn't just be like, okay, you're learning some new skill set. Right. Um, there's a gentleman, um, Dan Cooperschmidt, if I'm saying it. Uh, I'm, it's a tough last name. I, I think I got it right, right? Um, and Dan's been great. He's been helping me with um, editing some video. And he saw uh, the podcast with Adam and Dave, uh, Adam Kreitman, Dave Mullins, that hasn't been released yet, but it was on um, their type of uh, delivery system. Mm -hmm. so it was very much a project management, how you know um, a GMP works and how they bill and stuff like that. And Dan came from a place that I did, which was a superintendent in the field. So you really understand that, but you just don't know what a project manager does. You right. know what you know what they do, and you have a sense. And I know to look at Exhibit B in a contract, but I've never written a contract. I've never sent out a, a rec for payment, right? So to yeah. think that you have people working at your company that are working side by side, and they don't know what that person really does, yeah. you know. So it's an opportunity to internally learn. You know, what right. does pre-con pre do? What does marketing do? What does project management do? What does scheduling do? Yeah. Uh, so I think there's so- You appreciate so one another more too, you know, and you when you have that understanding that the grass isn't always greener and there's there's not like, oh, you know, they get to be in an office all day while I'm sweating out here in the <laughs> in the job site. Like, well, yeah. there are some some of the not so great things in, about the office too. And there's some of the not so great things about them being in the field. Like there's, yeah, you, you just get that opportunity. Absolutely. And that kind of goes to that team building thing, right? Because mm. um, there's absolutely a divide. And, and I know one company that that was one of the things they wanted to, to address in their training, which is there's a divide between the office and the field. The yeah. field thinks that the PM shows up at nine, goes golfing with people all the time and is cushy. And the PMs think that, oh, they just show up in a pickup truck and they walk around and sign every slip and don't pay attention to the money it, you know like there's all these preconceived ideas that people have about each other and it's a good chance to to break those those down um so 
that's awesome. We just gave people, I think, a ton of things to think about. Um, moving forward, I'm quite excited about how you and I can work together. You know, I would love to help the people that I work with to reduce their costs. And I think um, that's great. I think the education you offer with team building and different d difficult conversations and um, management and personality stuff, like that's all great, public speaking. Um, I think that's nice. I'm also excited about um, Eric Richmond, who's um, a third party safety consultant, who's gonna be doing some education with me and Mike Yanovich from CodeSafe with you know his uh, both CSL continuing ed and his uh, CSL prep classes. So it's kind of like this nice little group of specialist consultants that are like coming together and can really help each other. And um, pretty cool. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about um, what can happen and um, how we can help companies in the marketplace. So I think it's really cool. Um, and I appreciate all the help you've given me even so far. So it's been great. Um, people, if your company needs some help, go ahead, reach out to Krista. If you can't find Krista directly, feel free to shoot me a message. DM, email, otherwise, um, it's Krista at Building People. You should look up Building People. Um, and actually, this is going to coincide with um, an article that I asked Krista to write for uh, the Mass Construction website. So if you're listening to this, please go on over to the website. And um, if you want to try and write the grant yourself, there's some information. Um, it has all the grants listed out, links to them so you can find them there and how you can find Krista. So. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is I know you have some people that are outside of Massachusetts. There are plenty of grants all in all the states. There are, there are great grants all around. So um, I've written some of them. I can't commit to having written all of them, but I will definitely do the research. Um, Rhode Island, uh, Florida, California, D.C., they all have great grants. So um, let me know if you're outside of Massachusetts and interested in the grant writing as well. And I'm happy to help. Awesome. All right. I'm super excited. Krista. Thank you, and I'm sure everybody's going to see more of you. All right. Thanks, Joe. Mascons, what'd you think? I thought Krista was great today. It's nice to have her back. I uh, really enjoy working with her. If you are indeed looking to go ahead and take the next step and maybe get something going for learning and development, professional development, whatever you want to call it at your company, head on over to massconstruction.org. You can take a look at the accompanying article talks a lot about grants, gives you all links, which you can find uh, all the information you need. Krista was a great resource. I know she'll be there to help if you want to learn more. And now we're going out with a little Belle Biv DeVoe. Girl, I must warn you.